From his first job flipping burgers at McDonald's and delivering the Washington Post, Craig Willett counts only one and a half years of his adult life working for someone else. Welcome to the Biz Sherpa Podcast with your host, Craig Willett, founder of several multi-million dollar businesses and trusted advisor to other business owners. He's giving back to help business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment, enhance their lives, and create enduring wealth. The Biz Sherpa. This is Craig Willett, The Biz Sherpa. I'm excited to have you join me today for this episode. I've got some really good people that I'd like you to meet. They own UWM Men's Shop in Salt Lake City, Utah at the City Creek Center. The Stringham family, BJ, Bart, and Brandon. And they're a fourth and fifth generation business owners. And I hope that today you're able to take from what they teach us and from their experiences a lot about marketing, sales, customer service, and also how to get along in business and stay family. Uh, welcome to, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Grateful that you joined the Biz Sherpa podcast. You know, it's really rare, and I have to give you great recognition and commend you for being fourth and fifth generation business owners. Do you guys realize how rare that is? Yes, actually, we really? do realize how rare that is. What makes you realize that? What? Well, I've, I've actually... I was curious, and so we've, we've Googled it before just to see what the percentages are. And from what I could find, less than 3% of family businesses make it to fourth generation, and I couldn't find any statistics on fifth generation. So yes, we know it's, it's very rare. That, that is very rare. Recently, I interviewed a sixth generation, wow. but it was a harness maker, very skilled practice, very niche market. So, And I'm sure this has migrated from what it first started out as. So. UWM Men's Shop was formerly known as Utah Woolen Mills. What was that about five generations ago? Bart, do you want to share with us what that was like? uh, Our business in the old days, that was uh, great-grandpa and grandpa, and it was direct-to-consumer sales. We had uh, over 400 salesmen at one time canvassing the the, uh, the United States and Canada, and Alaska. And we made things. We went around to farmhouses and and uh, set up in hotel rooms, and the people would come to us. And so, from where that was to what it is today, as a uh, as a high end uh, retail shop, uh, some big changes. So, what was it that they made in that? Well, they they specialized in in coats, outerwear, underwear, um, suits, sweaters. You know, everything, clothing, everything wow. people needed at the time. Back in those days, you know, they, they didn't go to malls. And, and they, the cars were, I mean, there was no central place to buy. So they, they, so you they took this, got everything. Right. So the store went to them, basically. The store was there. They had sample cases. We still have the sample cases around the store here because uh, that's our heritage of, uh, of what we used to do. And now people come here and we just lay it all out. Well, we're going to get some video of that to make sure we're showing that during this podcast to, to, to show that. That's amazing that you would preserve that kind of heritage. What are some of the key principles that have, been, that have led to the success through the generations of the Utah Willow Mills UWM Men's Shop legacy? I think, I think one of the core principles is just uh, we, have, we have a set of cultural beliefs, and one of them is own it. I own our results and uh, consistently ask what else I can do to achieve them. And I think from my perspective growing up, seeing my dad and my grandfather work just insane hours to make sure 
the business got taken care of. Uh, not seeing my dad all of December because he was here at the sh at the shop. So it's true that the, in retail, December is the biggest month of the year. <laughs> it happens to be, <laughs> happens to be true. <laughs> but for me, and then I don't want to speak for them, but for me, just owning what the responsibility is, not waiting for somebody else to do it, um, I think is probably the. The, the core principle that's kept us in, in get business. Get in and get it done. No excuses. And, yeah, I, get it done and I'm be accountable. Be accountable. accountable. I, I love that. Yeah. Great. How was it to be accountable, Bart, to your father? Kind of the same. I, I, I just figured he would do everything unless I stepped in and tried to take some responsibility off his shoulders because he, was, he wasn't waiting around for other people to do, do it. It was, his, it was for him to do. And so for me, I liked being able to relieve a little bit of that burden and be here and help him and, and take over and not have him having to micromanage because he knew if I said I would do it, I would get it done. Oh, that's great. That's good DNA for your family. <laughs> so how did it go from going on the road to becoming a premier men's high-end retail shop today? What was the next step from having 400 salespeople to manage on the road. That's a big deal. Well, I think what happened is just history. Uh, you know, the automobile and the malls and stores, the accessibility for people to travel and be where they want to be and get what they want. So the traveling salesman aspect kind of changed. It uh, wasn't as viable. Um, and so our business, we became more, uh, more centralized in, in, in the things that was sold the best, like clothing suits, sport coats, slacks. We still did do blankets, but uh, those were the things that kind of sustained us, these, these, uh, these items that people would come to us for that kind of quality, because they were used to it. And as the salesmen started doing less and less on the road, we uh, did more and more in the store. And so the store became the, the focal point. How long has the store been here? Uh, well, they were, we had a store even back in the day, so 115 years. 115 years, wow. What a legacy yeah, to have. A Not a lot of businesses make it that far, like you said. So what are some of the other principles? I like what BJ said, but Brandon, do you have any ideas that you'd like to share about principles that have guided you as you stepped into more responsibility here? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't thought too much about it. Um, Barb was mentioning he had to take over roles that my grandfather was doing, and I think that's, without him saying that, that's what I did and that's what BJ did. Um, I looked at how our books were being done and it was all done by hand and it was, it was correct. It just, we wanted to know where we were at today and we never knew, we always had to wait. And I said, well, why, why is that the case? And so it, it seems crazy, but about, I don't even know how long ago, maybe 10 years ago is when I got us computerized and got us onto inventory and you know, constant, consistent spreadsheets of we know exactly where we're at at any one time. And so it was just one of those things where there, that wasn't there. It was, it was creating it was a creating opportunities for myself for a full-time job because I didn't see myself being on the sales floor forever. I'm not, that's not my, sales isn't my thing. That's BJ's great at sales, my dad's great at sales, but it's never been my thing. And so I wanted to create something that I'm good at, which is numbers. And so I think it's just a way of being able to see something that needs to be done, create a niche for yourself and, and do it. So I think that's the principle I'm trying to get out there is you need to create it. So how, so if you have to create it, I, I'm interested in the 10 years that you've automated the accounting system. 
are there some things that you've changed your pattern of as a, as a company from the information being more timely and maybe more in detail? Oh, man, yeah, definitely. <laughs> in every aspect of our business. Just really? Inventory, for example. We know exactly what we have at any time. Oh, we need more of this, we need more of that. We can anticipate, and this isn't selling so you, very well. So you just don't go based on feel. You have to really be honest. The numbers yes. don't lie. And, and let's face it, like blankets. That was, that, you know, my dad had to have blankets. Everybody had blankets. He sold tons and tons of blankets. I, I'll never forget, we got the computers, and the, and the boys came to me and says, hey, um, you know, blankets are like 2% of our volume. It's taking up 20% of our space. This makes no sense, does it, Dad? I go, no, it doesn't make sense. Blankets were gone. Wow. That's pretty good information. Yeah. What other things besides blankets? What else did you find in that process? I think for me, having accurate data, because it's, it's, been such a, it's such a personal business for us, having accurate data about what happened last year at this time on this date, sales-wise, and it gets very easy to get down. When, when sales, anybody who's in sales understands how it is when sales are not what they were the year before. So right. you're always comparing yourself. You're never, never satisfied. So having accurate data changed the game, at least for me, to be able to say, wait a sec, this is normal, right. and it's okay. And to be able to kind of step back a little bit and be able to see that this is just how business is, and it fluctuates. And having the data to show it really kind of eases a lot of those fears and uh, what, what's gonna happen. And so anyway, I just think just for a good mental state to be able to see the numbers was important. I think that's great. It goes back to the accountability principle too, but also I, I like that because numbers on their own without some understanding don't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably nice to have brand and strength to, awesome to help with the business. Yeah. Help with the business. What was it like, and is there a formal passing of the baton? When does the father know it's time to hand it over to the son? <laughs> That's the best question ever. Let handle it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when do you know that? That's a great you know, question. It, it, that's, that's really interesting. My, my role has changed here. Um, it, it's, been, it's been rather difficult because I've been so hands-on. I mean, in every aspect, every aspect. The numbers, the buying, the selling, the relationships, the advertising, everything, everything. And, and, and I think Brandon just hit it. Um, you start looking, and they started looking at how could they relieve some of the pressures or the weight that I was carrying, and they did. So for me, it's been so easy because my, my goal now is to coach and to help our guys see, see what there is, see the vision, and, and give some enthusiasm towards our goal, which is to satisfy the needs of our customers. That's great. So you knew when it was time? Well, I'm, I'm still involved on a, on, a, on a different basis, but the time is they're running the business yeah. you know, for several years, so it's, it's, yeah. That's great. You mentioned something really important, and that is relationships. How do you pass relationships that you've had for 40 years to the next generation? Well, you're a perfect example. You come in here, right? And well, I call you up and make sure you come in. <laughs> <laughs> I drag you down. Right, right exactly. <laughs> if I'm not here, you're with Brandon. You're with BJ yeah. or with any of our guys. It's so easy. I had a guy call me yesterday. He says, hey, I'm, I'm in town. I wasn't here. I says, don't worry about it. Taylor will know you and take care of you and spend a lot of money. But he was so happy. He calls me and says, this is amazing. So it's pretty easy because 
our, our, our goal is the same. Let's take care of the customer. And there's no ego involved here. I th That's I think, great. I think it's also different because I think we visualize the, diff the business differently. And growing up in the business, it was every relationship was handled by a stringham. Full stop. Right. That's how business is done. Right. Well, that's how I came to know the business right. 30 years ago. It was, yeah. it was your grandfather right. or your dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, what we've, what we've uh, one of the big changes that we've made is looking at this more as, well, wait a sec, is this, is this something we can scale? Is this something we can grow? Because if it's, if it's up to me to be here or Brandon or Bart to have those relationships, there's only so many relationships and there's only so many hours in the day and at what cost? You know, and so we've tried to, we've made a lot of changes and they've been, they've been difficult to implement, both from a traditional standpoint, from the feelings that we have inside about what we should do, because we've, you know, I've seen my dad Because it's your baby. I've seen my dad work Christmases my entire life. And I, I, haven't, I haven't worked nearly the, the time in December, but we chose to do it differently. And what, we've chosen, what we have chosen to do is we've hired more guys and we've said, wait a sec, the relationship is key. How can we teach other people what we know how to do so that we're basically multiplying stringhams so that people can have the same great relationship and the same experience, but it's not necessarily me. And can I use my skills that I've learned from watching my dad for 40 years, and I've been doing it for 20 years, can I use those skills to teach them how to do it so that maybe not only this location, but can we do another location, can we do another location and not lose that feel, you know, that you're, that you're, because we have, Taylor, for instance, has been with us for 10 years, and he has people that have just a strong relationship that you and my dad have with him and his customers. And as far as they're concerned, UWM Men's Shop is, is Taylor. Taylor. Taylor Hawkins. He's not a stringham, That's but as amazing. far as they're concerned, you're on to something here. I really want to talk about this more. This is a really interesting concept because so often as business owners, we feel like we have the magic formula and it resides with us as entrepreneurs. And it's difficult to try to train that, I think. For many of us, one, it make, makes us feel like, oh, I have to give something up. And I'm giving up something. And I'm really risking that they're going to offend one of my prized customers. So how did you go about you, you, transitioning that? And your philosophy is take care of the customer and their needs. So how do you teach people to know the needs of the customer and then take care of them? Have you been able to, because you've been able to successfully do that. And you'll see video of the store, you'll be able to know that it's not just Stringham dependent. Well, we're doing that, but it's not, it hasn't been easy. It's been, it's been a challenge for us. So we, we, uh, we met with a, a great coach, um, what, it's been about a year ago? Was it a year, a little over a year ago? Um, Tom Smith, he wrote uh, Change the Culture, Change the Game. He's, uh, he lives in, in Provo. He, he's a great customer of ours for years. I mean, he's been shopping with us for a long time. And uh, I was talking to him one day about, well, what, how do we do this? How do we grow? How do we, and, he, and I said, how do we hold people accountable? How do we teach them how to do it, how we want them to do it? And he said, well, you know, I wrote the book on that. <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah, <laughs> you read the book for <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we went down to his house. And we spent a, a Saturday, no less, which for us was a big yeah. step, because Saturday is our biggest day, but we were not at the store. And we went, at his house, we wrote all the things that, we feel like could be better in our business that we didn't like about ourselves and our business. And it was a really brutal, wow, honest evaluation of our business. And then it was really fun because then we, we, we wrote the other side of like, what do we want it to be? And that's where we came up with our cultural beliefs. And 
There's, there's some fundamental beliefs that we have that we work with our, our entire team every day. Um, when COVID hit, we did training videos. So now we literally are sitting down with our guys and we say, okay, look, when this situation happens, how, how do we want you to handle it? Instead of us trying to, because I had to watch him for 20 years right. to really be able to effect, effectively handle. Experience is a great teacher. Experience, right. right? So all of a sudden we've got, we've tried to put all those experiences on videos and we're walking our guys through those videos and we're saying, okay, look, this is what happens when then, this is what happens with this. And uh, so anyway, that's, and so that's been that transition. Through those experiences. We're sharing those experiences. And they, t they understand principles that they can yeah. apply. And they can watch them, watch them over and over again and pause it and just say, oh, this is what's happening here, this is what's happening there. Why did, I, why did he do that in that situation? And then we, we, we explain it. And they go, oh, I get it. And everything makes sense because it does make sense because now we're in our 115th year. We know it's successful. We just have to show others how to do it. Okay, so now I'm really curious. Are you willing to spill some of the beans of the success? How do you know when you say people do this, why did they do that? You certainly understand customer behavior. Sure. Is that right? You were, you were going to say something, did you? Well, this is a little bit of it back to what we were talking about with the experience. So just real quick. Um, one of the things that forced us to do this is they built City Creek next to us, this very big, successful mall. And we had to change our store hours. Or we didn't have to. We chose to change our store hours to compete with the mall. We'd always been open from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. And we wanted to do... Right, because you were an inner city retail store. Right, an independent right. store. And uh, we thought we should compete with the mall, and they were open until 9 p.m. That's a huge change for a store that's always been open until 6. So right, we, and if you're the family doing it, how do you get home for dinner? So, yeah, yeah. Ever. so we, were, we, were, we were trying it, and, and after a couple of weeks, I'm, I, I'm, I can't do this. I can't work 12-hour days, five, six, six days a week. It doesn't make sense. Like, I don't care if I'm making money. It's not worth it to me. And BJ actually reached out to our, Tyler was the first part-time employee, yeah. right? And yeah. uh, it was a, a guy that just happened to walk in the store and BJ just offered him a job. And then Taylor came on very soon after that. And we're saying Taylor's the one that's been here for 10 years. And we, after a little while, trusted them to run the store from 6 p.m. until 9 p.m. And so they, they were forced to learn it, and I think that was a really good thing for them to get those experiences and have to have it, but it took them a little bit longer than this new training process where it's, it's, it's been a lot better than, here, go figure it out. It's, this is how you can do right. it. Now so go figure it out. So hire out a necessity but, here. Help us fill in the gap. But that's what started it, is, yeah. is City Creek moving in and us being, being forced to adapt to it more But or he less. must know what he's doing because I know the last time I was here, and then I want to get into this customer behavior thing because yeah. this might be the key to it. I was buying a few things, and we were getting ready to leave, and I'm usually t trying to tell Bart, no, I have enough. I <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but somebody, and it must have been Taylor, came up to me, and I ended up with this jacket at home, and I had it in my closet for almost a year. I put it on the other day, and my wife said, oh, that's the coat that my wife said, that guy needs a promotion down there. <laughs> You're ready to leave, and he pulls this coat off, and you bought it. You didn't wear it for a year. Now we wear it a lot, but it was kind of an interesting experience for me. But anyway, enough on that. How do, how do you understand customer behavior? How does it help you with your sales? And how do you train people to recognize that? Man, it's, it's everything. It's everything. And what we've, what we've learned is men don't like to shop. Men, if they're going to shop, they want it to be fun. 
right? They so hate, that's why we have a ping pong table in here. We have two. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got one ping pong pool table, table in this room, two. another one, and, and a pool, pool table. table. Pool table. Okay. Uh, in our new shop, we've got a punching bag just to get out the stress before you shop. Or, but <laughs> okay. So there's there there are things that, and we're we're men, right? So we know we know what we like. We know how we want to be treated. And so, as far as our training is concerned, it's just addressing those things. Like, um, I always tell our guys, the minute a, a man walks in the store, it, there's a stopwatch. Like, you've got, you've got a, a limited amount of time to make it a good experience for him. So, you know, be on it. If, if he likes the jeans, you make sure you know what model he's in, so if he wants another couple colors, he doesn't have to try them on. It's just there, just done. Make it easy because guys hate to shop, and that's... Oh, now I, mean, I get it. That's why I have yeah. three pair of the same thing. Exactly <laughs> why. We're giving you the inside scoop. But that's, I mean, and but yet you've been shopping with us for how long? 30 years. And do you enjoy your experience? Oh, always. That's, that is because of the behind-the-scenes things that you don't see that we, that we, I've learned and we've taught our guys. It's, hang on, there's a reason why people like shopping with us. These are the reasons. Make it quick, make it painless, take all the hassle out of it, make it easy. Yeah. That's it. And, and make it right. One of the first things we tell our guys, don't sell stuff to sell stuff. Make sure it's gonna actually work for the customer. Find out what the customer does and have it work. And you just said you had a coat right here, now you're wearing it all the time. But if we sell you the wrong thing, Craig, you're never gonna come back. Right. We sell you the right thing. Maybe one thing or two things or 20 things. If they're right, you come back, you have a great experience. It has to be the right thing. Well, that's great. So there's no high pressure. No. No high pressure. It's just fun. The more you spend, the happier you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting philosophy. Let's, say <laughs> Let's put that into business books now. Yeah. Let's put that in writing. Yeah, don't tell everybody's family budget about that one, but okay. But you mentioned another location. So how did you evolve to another location. You want to take that one? Sure. Um, well, we, we've talked about it for quite some time, and part of the problem with Utah Woolen Mills and leading us to change to UWM Men's Shop was the perception of what we were. And so the second location is actually called Tom Knox Men's Shop. It's a completely different name. It's a different business. It's also a different price point. Um, it's not even true, but people just assume that our suits are $8,000 here. We have $8,000 suits, but we also have $800 suits. That gets missed somewhere in translation. And so basically we wanted a, a clean start to be able to go and really tell people what it is that this Tom Knox brand can do. We have suits at Tom Knox that range anywhere from 495 up to maybe 4,000, but the bulk of them are 900 to $1,000. So it really was a way for us to get a, a clean start and we've been renting downtown for a long time. We wanted to not have a landlord to be able to do our own thing. So we decided to buy the building in a high traffic area. And so that's what we did. I love it. I love the idea of owning the real estate behind. And now you basically own this. I know you have a rent, but you have a, such a long-term lease. Very long-term lease. That it takes somebody a lot of money to move you out of here. To buy your interest out because a long-term lease is as if owning it. But I do like the fact that you own your other, your second location. What a brilliant idea! So who came up with the price point, and how did you figure out that people lost track that you had the the eight hundred to thousand dollar suit lines? Well, I just think people uh, 
just generally when people come in for the first time, and that's part of that's part of our sales process. You know, we're asking, how'd you find out about us, and you know, where did you find out about us? Who told you about us? And that's just kind of a theme that we that we that we've found. Um, but we also think that that demographic that Brandon was talking about, that price point, is just something that we could actually replicate in more more places. Uh, something that with with this level of, of quality and, and luxury in our downtown location, it's hard to envision opening up multiples because right. there's only, you know, you don't right. see... Right, you cannibalize your own market, yeah. right? right. They just, right. You make it closer to home yeah. to your customer, but you don't add any more sales. Right. I mean, you might, you don't see a lot of Ferrari dealerships in, in the same city. Right. Know? And that's kind of how I look at this. Interesting, very smart. So. How do you, you mentioned that, you know, your customers, when they come in, how do you go about marketing and advertising your business? Well, <laughs> we, we talked about this, uh, you know, that's, that's something we have not done well. It's, I mean, been word of, it's been word of mouth, basically. What's wrong with that? Nothing. It's just kind of a slow process. And, and, and we like that, except the masses don't have a clue. People so for the Tom Knox, it's probably more important. Well, I think it's important for both of us to, yeah. oh, okay. for both of the stores to, and we, we've, been, we've been on that. We've been. I used to see Bart on TV 20 years ago. That's true. Doing commercials. Well, I think that's the truth. We've tried, we tried just we tried about everything. But people, and, and, and we thought that maybe the name Utah Woolen Mills, the connotation was, as Brandon says, we shear sheep or something. They had no idea until they walked in. Uh, and even being here in the mall, people walk and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I've been here for 30 years. I had no idea that you actually have this quality. I've been to Nordstrom's. They go there, they don't. They stay here. They don't go back because of our quality. It's, I mean, it's unsurpassed in the, in the country. We have very high-end, nice stuff. Well, on that note, you have two stores right next to or near Nordstrom yeah. and two locations in Utah, and they just pulled their suits out of Utah. Maybe you guys had something to do with that? <laughs> we, don't. Oh, we, we just found out about it yesterday, and, and we're still in shock yeah. with that. Because, because it's still, I mean, with Epidemic and, and all, it's still, that's, it's still business. We're still doing business. We still sell a lot of suits. There we're are still, still, still weddings and plenty yeah. of other occasions to wear suits. Oh, okay, great. So let's talk about how do you get word of mouth. What does it take, in addition to just selling them what they need, and selling them quality so that they want to come back and not selling them something they, don't, they won't use. What is it about service after the sale? What is it about the relationship that makes people want to tell other people about you? Well, for me, I can just speak for me, um, I, I pride myself on the relationships I've built here uh, with the, the men that have shopped with us. And it's not just the men, it's you know the wife that comes in and knowing their names and I mean, I send I send my family's Christmas card to all, all my my favorite customers, and they my wife gives me my wife gives me grief because she'll I'll tell her about this interaction I had with today, and she said, "Oh, is, is he your favorite customer?" And, <laughs> and that's just kind of how I feel. Right. I just feel I just I've established some really great friendships, just like I see with you and you and my dad. Just it's about it's about friendship. It's about relationships and. And I think that is why the repeat business, and that is why the word of mouth is so strong, because I'm not just a suit salesperson to somebody. I'm, I'm BJ. I'm somebody that they text, they ask about this, or we talk about water skiing, we talk about basketball, we talk, there's just, right. the suits are just the You clothing. become part of their life. Yeah, the clothing's just something that we connect on, but we 
we connect on a lot of deeper levels. And I think that's what leads to them telling people about me or telling people about Taylor or Brandon or Bird. I mean, that's, that's what does it, I think. Great. So as you look at it, you, you kind of mentioned that you've been asking yourselves the question, how do you go about marketing yeah, um, and advertising? Are there some things you're considering that, that you might want to share that might benefit our audience that, about how, what, how you're going to analyze it, what you're looking to do, what are some of the avenues that are best? Well, I, I can take this one. Um, we actually reached out to um, a data collection service, uh, Experian. Uh, you know, they, they collect all sorts of data, and we've we've never been data driven, honestly. We've been. I mean, except for the last ten except, years. Except for except for <laughs> well, Brandon bringing us started with it. It's we yeah. we've yeah we we're learning to be more data driven, and finding out you know like what is the common thread between our our best customers and. Not even best customers. What what is just what is the common thread through our customers, and then how do we find more people like that uh, that would enjoy what we do? Because that's really what it is. It's about connecting a product that people like with the people who would like it. Right. So finding who's in your area or market yeah. that would be potential customers, sure. and then getting finding the information in front of, of them. Mirror images of the people who who love our our business. So uh, between talking to customers and also looking at data. That's 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 kind of where we're trying to go. So when you identify them, what's the best way to reach them? I mean, that's what we've got to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're working on, honestly. And and it seems like we're a 115 year old business, and maybe that's the lesson we still haven't got everything figured out. We're still every day. We're still trying to get better. We're still trying to evaluate what we've done, what has worked, what hasn't worked. Right. And that's not necessarily going to work tomorrow. Mag magnify your strengths, and then look at your challenges, and then take on yeah. that opportunity. That's great. So how have you been able to survive some different inflection points over 125 year history? I mean, I would imagine during that time, there's been the Great Depression, there's been the financial crisis, there's been wars. How did the family business react to those things? And what's key? They're both looking at me, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been here for most of those hundred years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just saying, hey, we're in the pandemic. We knew a little yeah. bit about the financial yeah. crisis. So, Bart, you've been through it yeah. all. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. If you, I, I think back, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges we had uh, when they decided to put the light rail in front of our business and closed us down. And I happened to one day be talking to uh, an attorney who, was, who happened to be the personal attorney for the mayor. And he called the mayor for me, and I got a, a, uh, a little audience with her. And she said, hey, don't worry about it. When this is done, you, your business will thrive. And I says, that may be true, but how do we get to that point? Right. And uh, I, think we, I think that idea of surviving anything and just doing what you got to do to get through it. So I, I remember getting up early and coming every morning because it would always be closed off. And the city couldn't deny us access, so I had huge banners made. I had banners everywhere um, around us and directing traffic into our little parking area. And uh, it was tough, but we did well. Uh, we had, uh, when they constructed City Creek, um, you know, we were basically closed down and we had to negotiate. And we did all kinds of things with banners and signs and let, try to let people know. And we'd stop traffic because they'd have to come in here. Um, I, I can't, there's been so many 
uh, so many roadblocks. And I think the common denominator that we all feel, and I know BJ and Brandon are feeling the same, we're not exactly sure what to do, but we figure out a way, and then we try it and we do it. Some work, some don't, but we keep trying. We've never said, oh, we're done. Right. Can do, can do attitude. Well, that's probably why when the statistics say 3% of businesses make it to the third or fourth generation, and there's none saying going to the fifth, it's easy to give up. Sometimes it's easy to rest on your laurels, and sometimes it's easy to say that. So how do you, how do you take that attitude and make something? Well, I wanted to add um, the, the reasons why we've been able to weather those things is because of just very wise financial decisions from my grandfather, dad, saying, hang on a sec, we could be doing all sorts of things. We could be, we could be spending money here, 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 and here, but the, the principle of if we can't afford it, if we can't pay cash, we can't afford it. So, so you've never financed buying inventory so, or paying operating costs. So it's a very different animal. So when stuff, I remember when uh, December, when, in 2008, when that hit, we just, we said, okay, we just gotta, let's pull back and let's, uh, let's reduce our buys. Let's, let's be smart about what we have. Let's, let's, we, just, we just changed everything. And, and the next year, 2009, was, was very profitable. We, we, just, we, we made wise decisions, but it was because we had this base from which we could make. So you had financial discipline already in place. Yeah, so that, that I think is a huge key to the ups and downs and even right now, I mean, the epidemic, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a rough time. Right. And, you know, people aren't, people aren't running out and buying suits left and right, right? But Yeah, they're all working from home. <laughs> I mean, we're lucky people get out of their sweatpants. Right. So, but we're okay, and we will be okay. But you carry okay. that, too. We do that, too. Yeah. Just higher end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I think that, that financial secure, the, the wise decision to be conservative on where how we spend our money and not uh, getting in debt is what has enabled us to overcome. But, and I think that's great and it's a, it's a wonderful principle, but I can imagine it's still tough as generation passes to generation and the older generation still holding on to those purse strings a little bit. And the younger generation, I would imagine, would want to go out and try all kinds of new lines, fill, want to appeal to their generation and the old generation is going, but we used to sell these suits and we have this relationship and these are more expensive and it's going to take more of our money tied up in inventory. How did you, how did you make it through? How did you make it through that kind of transition? And were there any yeah. experiences you'd like to share that might help enlighten? How well, we've had, I, I think, and I'll just, I, I feel like I'm talking too much, but we had one, one, one instance in particular was a shirt company that we brought in. It was, High-end, great shirt. It re retailed at $265 a shirt. And Brandon and I fell in love with these shirts, and we said, we, we should have these. And, you know, Bart's experience had been to the time that they're, it's a pain. It's a pain to stock them. If you don't sell them, they get shop-worn. It's just, it's just a, it's, it's a losing venture. And Custom Shirts was really where our business was at, which was a great business. Right. Um, but Brandon and I felt strongly about it. The difference was they had a, a, a tremendous... Uh, stock selection that we could we could draw on constantly and so we you know he he advised you were able to convince him he advised yes. against it but the thing is to his credit he's always been supportive of whatever those crazy moves have been that we've wanted to make he's been supportive um even if he's like 
That's terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> but it's, that been, it's been a great. It's been a great. But, great but the trust is there. Like, the trust is the there. Trust. And has it? Has there been times where it hasn't worked out? And there has there been any? I told you so. Or no, I don't think so. I think, <laughs> is there? Yeah, I don't, no. I don't think but so. I think I, I just know with him. I mean, you you made a lot of changes that the oh, yeah. grandpa wouldn't have approved of. And, and because our, our goal was to make this the best mint shop in the country, and for sure in Utah, and, and we did. Now, there's nobody like us. And he just kind of backed off. He says, well, whatever. I traveled you know, the country and picked out lines. I did things that this city had never seen. And he just says, yeah, okay, well, let's, let's go for it. But we always were able to pay for it. And, and when BG and Brandon come and say, hey, I think we ought to do this, and go, I don't know, this had, that didn't work before. He said, yeah, but if we do it this way, it can work. And we have the money to do it, let's do it. And so it, I'm very supportive, obviously, because the success is it's right there in front of us. Wow. Well, that, that particular example is, makes us look really good because it was very successful. And that was, <laughs> yeah. that was one of the best things we've ever that done for the decision. business. Yeah. It, we, I mean, thousands and thousands. We became their biggest specialty store in the country. Did it grow like, your overall shirt sales too or? Oh, tremendously. Like not even. Really? And no also, comparison to the It also helped shirt. us sell other items because they looked so good. You throw, a, you throw a jacket on top of it, that looks great too. So it's like, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, and it also gave us the confidence to go after a couple other big moves that, that were big, that, that really So really small successes, sure. calculated risk, and it works out, then you continue to expand. You know, I think one of the things that you shared with me might be the secret to the Stringham success of five generations is the other generations willing to trust the next after a certain apprenticeship in here and support that, especially in retail, you have to change with the times or you become outmoded. You're out of business, basically. Wow, that's great. That's, that's a compliment to you. Well. One of the things you can never escape in the coming on the this Sherpa podcast is to explain one of your greatest failures and what did you learn from it. I don't know who. If, I, oh, I don't know. Are, if we, all, are we going one at a time? <laughs> yeah, we can go one at a time, or if one of you wants to be the spokesperson for. Well, we actually talked about this because you know we we actually hinted at it a little bit earlier, and, and they can finish up what I'm starting to say here. Um, but you asked about advertising and we've been in business for 115 years and if you go ask a random person on the street they probably don't know who we are and that's a problem it's a big problem and we've tried different things we've tried billboards we've tried playbills um, newspaper radio tv like like you mentioned but we've, we've tried them all but there's got to be something else that we're missing i feel like that is our biggest failure is that we're a 115 year old business and i bet 5% of Utah knows who we are, and if you're talking countrywide, less than a percent knows who we are, so we're, we're doing something wrong there. And that's something that I really, that BJ and I have been focusing on a lot, and Bart's always been trying it too. We, we don't have that answer, and I, I don't know, I still don't know what to do with that. Clothing, we're trying different things. Clothing, clothing has to be hard online, especially at the level and the quality that you do. But what kind of online presence have you considered? Is that one of the solutions to... Yeah, it's tricky. That's a tricky thing. We've, Not necessarily we've seen, sales, but at least online presence. Of well, we do online. We, you know, we have a weekly mailer uh, email that you know highlights some products and 
we, you know, we're active on Instagram, we're active on uh, Facebook and, you know, all those outlets. But, you know, we've, we've also seen as, I don't, I don't know, if you look at the retail environment in, gen, in, in total, especially in our space, a lot of the stores that went hev, heavily into to online business, they've really alienated their, their associates in the store, selling things online, then having them come in and having their associates try to service it, whether it's been discounted or whatever. And those associates can't make a living servicing products that have been sold online. So you look at a lot of the, lot of the big, big box stores and even acquisitions of maybe even uh, Nordstrom acquiring Trunk Club. And Trunk Club was, I mean, that's a, that's a digitally native brand that's uh, online, that's sent to you, brought back. So it's kind of a, the jury's out. The jury's out on, on how smart it is to really dive into online sales. Of course, online sales, if it's something that doesn't need to be serviced, that's one thing. But things that need to be serviced, oh, that's, it's tricky. It's tricky. So, but I think uh, I'm, I'm with Brandon on our, at, on our biggest failure, just the fact that we, people don't really know who we are until they walk in the store and we educate them. So I think that's, I'd agree. Wow. That's, that's hard to admit after 115 years. Um, Bart, did you have any thought of other experiences you remember that you stubbed your toe and, what, and you learned something from? Um, not really. I mean, yeah, I've stubbed my toe many times, and I think it's usually on, on, on maybe purchases uh, of thinking this should be amazing. Why don't people see this? And they don't. <laughs> so you think, oh, well, we were the, earlier we were late to the game. Uh, I remember Dad and I sometimes buying a, a suit, particular maybe color or something, and thinking this is unbelievably great, and nobody liked it. And then uh, you, you you keep it for a little while, and somebody comes in, man, that's cool. And then they're gone within a couple of weeks. So you know you, you never know. I think when, when I'm listening to B.J. and Brandon talk about our, our greatest failure, um, the interesting thing is, Craig, and, and I don't know if you pick up on that because. You don't look at us as maybe failure in any way because your experiences here have been incredible. Uh, but they've been incredible because you got to know us and you supported us and you tell everybody you know about us. Um, that's probably our big, biggest, biggest success is you and guys like you because it isn't, it isn't a matter of all the stuff you bought. It's the relationship that we've developed. And so for us, our biggest failure is also maybe our big, 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 biggest success because that failure, and I think PJ's kind of touching on it, we don't really have the relationship with people when we're online and things. And, and our business has been so relationship-oriented that we're, we want to do that, but we want people to know us because once they know us, they're with us. I mean, that's really true. Once right. In, you earn their trust. You earn their respect. They're with us, and we want them that way. Right. We want them we want that. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. No, I'm glad you said that. I almost said it, but I didn't want to be the one taking a, uh, a guess at it. But my guess is some businesses don't lend themselves to spending a lot of money on advertising when you're after such a, such a small niche in the market that not everybody needs to know about you. But like you said earlier, what you're researching with, yeah. um, the credit bureaus and the information that you can get from the data out there or find the people 
in the niche that you want, and those are the people that need to know you. And if that's only 5% of the people out there, then that's all, that's all you need. Because you can't be all things to all people. And, and that's good. And I think that's been important. I think it's important for survival in this. So I have one last question. And I've always wondered this because sometimes I've talked to my wife sometimes about doing business with our family and certain members of our family and having them. And, and lately I've brought them in on a few things, uh, my, my children. And she always says, you know, business and family doesn't mix. Carol said that. And so I just wonder, what are family reunions like? What are family get-togethers like? When you have the business that you're operating in and, and have to get along, you have a great relationship. But there's also other members of the family. How, how have you been able to survive? And what has that been like? Man, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. Because obviously, with any relationship, whether it's family or not, even if it's a strictly work relationship, you're going to have issues and I think I think the biggest thing for us has been trying to figure out boundaries of family versus work and being somebody's boss at work and trying to be the boss at home and trying to figure <laughs> out those boundaries of okay this is this is my life outside of work I'm going to do what I feel is best for me and my family and you have no say in this this is this is my life this is my family and just creating, I think creating boundaries is the is what I want to get at there. I think that's a great concept, and I think maybe it's helped to have to hire more people, so you're not working the nine to six. You're having to be open nine to nine, training others, so you're not here all the month of December, yeah. and you're able to spend time with yeah. family and, and and evolve that so that it's not fully consuming your life as to why other people are going. Why is he never here? We're having a party and they're down, yeah. they're down <laughs> tending the shop. Well, there's a couple things for me. Uh, building the trust, we, having open and honest conversations, that's another one of those cultural beliefs we have. Having open and honest conversations between us, hey, this doesn't work. You know, hey, I, I, need, I need to be understood here. This doesn't work. Having those open and honest conversations, understanding that we love each other, because we do. We, we, there's a lot of love in this room. We have very different, very different personalities, different skill sets, different uh, problems. I mean, I'm, I'm as forgetful as they come. We had a staff <laughs> meeting this morning, and it's 7:20. I was supposed to be here at 7:30. Oh, anyway, like I, that Texting would never happen. That would never happen to these guys. But I'm also really good with our people, and so establishing what our trust, our relationship, uh, the trust in our relationship to be able to set those boundaries is really important. Another thing I'd like to say, just when it comes to family, like I have, I've got four kids, Brandon has a, has a kid too. And I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in this position I am, because Christmas, I can be with my kids. And so family business is tricky, so I don't know what I'll say to my kids if they, they wanna do it. It, it'll be a different business going forward anyway. So Yeah, that would be interesting yeah. to see the sixth generation come along. It'll be exciting. You know, I'm grateful that you would spend the time today. What I really love about what you shared today and probably what is most important, and that is your understanding of who's most important, the customers. You, you certainly put them first. You certainly build those relationships. And I think, you know, that one-on-one -on -one contact is something that we 
is more and more rare in the world that we live in. It's becoming more and more of a digital age. But I think the businesses that can understand that and get, can get beyond having a digital presence but still have that feeling of closeness, feeling of, of trust. And when you, can, when you can capitalize on that like you have, you'll have a successful business, not only for years to come, but also in continued generations. I appreciate your honesty to be able to come on here and, and put your dirty laundry <laughs> on our episode, but also to share your secrets to success. I think I admire your business. I hope people will look you up and not only and frequent your store, but more importantly, that they'll come to understand the principles that you have put in place and how they can benefit from those two. You're great examples to me that I see as I know your family. I appreciate the time that you took. This, this is Craig Willett, the Biz Sherpa. I'm grateful that you joined me today at UWM Men's Shop in Salt Lake City. Be sure to go to our website to access the resources related to this episode at www.bizsherpa.co. If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends about us and be sure to rate our podcast. Craig would like to hear from you, so share your thoughts in the Facebook community at bizsherpa.co. Follow us on Twitter at bizsherpa underscore co and on Instagram at bizsherpa.co.